We believe that alcoholism is a disease and that Alcoholics Anonymous is one solution to that disease. I'm here to bring you the voices of its members. Everyone that comes on the show, including myself, is an active member and has found recovery in the rooms of AA. As you listen, please take what works for you and leave the rest. My name is Adrian. I have a sobriety date of February 17th, 2021. I got sober on Zoom. He called me a Zoom baby, and I will take that title. <laughs> I'm here to share my experience, strength, and hope. And I'm going to start with my experience. I was a child growing up in a Christian home non-denominational. So I already had a higher power of my knowing and in my beliefs. What got me to do not just alcohol, I did other things, but I guess it was my thinking. I thought a lot, overthought a lot. I stayed in my head a lot. I been bullied as a kid in school, you know. I had good times in school, but there was times where it's just like, oh my gosh, why do I have to be here? Or why do I have to exist on this planet? I'm not from Earth. <laughs> but I do remember having one day I had smoked some weed. It was cool, but I had one of those old school, I guess you could say old school acid trips, everything was animated. <laughs> and that was the taste, very beginning of the life that came to be for me. I was one of the kids now, so that if you got in trouble, I will say, okay, no, it was me. Or if I, if I got in trouble and I had the bag on me, <laughs> they wasn't going to look at you, they were going to look at me. And I can say I own up to a lot of stuff, but at the same time, that was good. But at the same time, that wasn't so good because my parents looked at me as this person when I kind of really wasn't that person. I was a loyal friend. I just, I, I knew I was different. Different how? I couldn't even explain to you how, but I just knew I was different. So as I got older, I just, you know, did weed. I, when I had my first drink, it was, I can't, oh gosh, it was Boone's Farm mixed with gin. And I hung out with this crowd that I kind of, that was my friends. And next thing you know, that's so sad. I'm just looking back. I passed out and I didn't even have that much to drink out of it. And I had got my car taken. With me in it. <laughs> got pulled over on the freeway and they towed my car. That was my first car I got. And <laughs> I didn't even have it for two weeks. <laughs> did that stop me from drinking? No. I did say, no, I don't want to drink no more. But then years, a couple more times, hanging out with family, you know, start drinking other things like, what I was like what 18 <laughs> 18 when I first had my first drink and drinking old English like ugh to this day I'd be like oh my gosh I can't believe I drunk that same eyes 
And I always say people, not the fruity one, the one with the pit bull on it, the the, the malt. <laughs> I was just, just a child, just not really looking for attention. All the stuff that was going through my head, just, it just made me just wanted to get away. I just wanted to quiet my head. And I did that, but not knowing that I'm also drowning. And talking to a lot of people now, it's like, yeah, you thought you was drowning, whatever it was, but did you know that it was learning how to swim? So all those years, I'm thinking I'm doing this and numbing this and running away from this. The disease, alcoholism, is basically learning how to swim. It's getting stronger. It's it's ready for it to come out. So in my, um, when I was like 29, so I had my daughter 21, I mean at 19, um, I didn't celebrate or go out or do anything at 21 like the normies would do. <laughs> um, I was already drinking, so it was no need for me to do that. I do remember on my 29th birthday having a party bus and my brain, because I didn't have too many friends. I did have a few that came out with me. It was a total of four, and, and she brought her family. It was it was cool. But Adrian, Adrian, oh, boy, I partied like a rock star that day. By myself alone, I drunk almost a half a gallon of vodka because that was my drink from the beginning because I just couldn't do the gin. Two big bottles of champagne. It's a funny story to this day. Like, I don't have no shame in it. I'm not even embarrassed by it. I just remember the bus lady saying, okay, be careful on the steps. We have a lot of people who fall off the bus. I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember that. And I'm over here telling everybody not to fall off the steps. But we got to our destination after drinking all that. (laughs) I was the only one that fell off the steps. They had to bring a wheelchair out and wheel me into the hotel. At the meantime, we're looking for my shoe. <laughs> my best friend's like, where's our shoe? Oh, my gosh, does everybody see her shoe? And so we got, I signed the papers drunkenly. And um, <laughs> as I get up to sign the papers, there's my shoe. <laughs> so those, that's the times where my brain was like, oh, you had fun while you was drinking. These are the good times while you was drinking. You had a hangover night while you was drinking. But as I got older and the problems started getting realer, it wasn't fun anymore. I started coming to my black blackout stage where I deal with problems at work or I deal with problems at home. Life shows up and popping up and selling me all kinds of things. And I'm drinking. I'm just drinking. Yeah, I smoke weed. But. To balance it out, yeah, I will go have that drink. People say weed's a gateway drug. Well, I just think it's a gateway substance for other things. Not just drugs, but other things. And alcohol seemed to be that other other thing for me. So now I'm in uh, my adult adult adulthood. <laughs> I have my I have four girls. Um And um, 
I'm sorry, it's taking off because it's 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 real life, man. Um so I have uh, four girls, um my oldest daughter, I got a DC, DCFS case and um it was to the point where um the case they um ordered me not to come back home. I had a restraining order to come couldn't come home, basically. And I have um at that time I had her and my other daughter. And um that's that's the time I became homeless. I've been homeless for three years. Um my mom will let me come in and take a shower. It wasn't like I just really come <laughs> I couldn't come home. But as long as that person wasn't there, I can, you know, so it was rarely I could come in, uh, see the other girls, see my family. But during that time, that's where I could say everything for me mentally, everything, all my morals and values, it went out the door. I was drinking every day. I was smoking other substance every day. Go to work, I would drink and smoke in the bathrooms. Some of my coworkers knew. A lot of them didn't, but I just had this small circle. And, and those times I enjoyed their friendship, they they was concerned. I, I really had a uniquely, they really did uniquely and genuinely care about me. But that's the problem with alcohol. You don't see that. You think everyone's against you. And I thought everybody was against me, no matter what. So I treated everybody like crap. I didn't think it was like crap to me. But on the outside looking in, yeah, I treated people like crap. I was inconsiderate. I was selfish. I do. I see that. <sighs> so I wind up drinking to the point where I just don't care anymore. You know? This is life. Yes, this is life. This is going to be my life. I have a shot or two here, a shot or two in my pocket, hide six or seven in the car. I'll take it in the bathroom. Seriously, while I'm working, I'm just looking at myself like, yeah, I'm really doing this. This is before the mask. <laughs> well, when the mask came, oh, yeah, we get there. But, yeah, I would be at the liquor store early. Everybody knows that story, being there when they first open up. See the same guy, and it's like, hey, good morning. And it's like, yeah, here you go. Here's your regular. Oh, or when you get there, oh, I'm sorry, babe. I don't have that flavor. It's like, oh, well, it's fine. Let's do this one. I met my my youngest daughter's baby, um, their father. I met their father working, and um, that's when I was, like, in it super thick. It was pretty cool um, how I met him, but it wind up not turning out so well. We both wind up being somewhat homeless and living out of motel rooms. And during that time, that's where, for me, I... The hole I was digging, I was already <laughs> down there where I couldn't get back up. <laughs> couldn't crawl out, basically. I would just lay there while he would go to work, and I'll just do whatever, all the stuff that I need to do before he got back. He would drink, too, but I know he's going to bring the drink, too. I will still have my own little stash and <laughs> act like, you know, oh, cool, you got me something. How thoughtful. <laughs> but I already have my own. so. Um, he knew that though, but I also did, um, other things. Well, I, I, I smoked, um, I smoke 
crack though. Um, I smoke weed. I just smoke weed too, but I smoke, um, I smoke meth too. So it's, it was, I was hiding that too. That and alcohol. Those were all those three of those together. It kind of made my, it made to me, it made my world balance. So not only was I hiding more secrets, harboring in my brain from other people, him too. So, um, so from that point, uh, we still hung on. Uh, later down the road, I got another DCFS case. It involved him and me. Um, it was to the point where that opened and closed. Really didn't involve him, sorry. It involved my um a family member of mine and me. And it wound up closing because um I technically wasn't there. I was at work and that person was supposed to be watching my children. But they closed that case. But it still doesn't look good on the record when you look back. So then I wound up getting pregnant with my uh third daughter by the recent gentleman and with her, life was pretty cool. I had a friend who allowed me to stay with her, my coworker from work. It was amazing. She was such a sweetheart. I had just met her like not that long ago. And that was a little glimpse of hope for me that there are nice people out there compared to how I grew up thinking everyone is not so genuine and it's not good to be nice out here in this world. You get eaten up. She was nice to let me stay there. But then I had that life and then I had the life with the baby daddy where it was like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Okay, drink, 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 smoke, smoke, smoke. Okay. Um, you go to work. Oh, you're not showing up on time. We're gonna move you from this position to this position. Oh, okay. Drink, 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 smoke, smoke, smoke. <clears throat> when I was able to when I couldn't control my feelings, oh man, the anger was there just brewing. One day, me and him got in a disagreement, and it wound up leading to me physically attacking him, and someone called the cops, and I wound up going to jail. So I wound up going to jail. Um, I was in there. I was already on probation, so that was like a probation violation. So I'm looking at a year, and they said, okay, you're going to do nine months. Um, I get there. Oh, jail was horrible. But that's the quickest way to get sober, right? So I'm in there. And when I mean, as, as our terms, guy shots, they was all in there. It, it was it was a cry. It was a call. He was calling me. It took a while for me to get onto that. And I, I eventually did. And this is where I heard of Alcohol Anonymous in there, you know. And it was kind of like, oh, and I remember seeing the big book. That's the first time I saw the big book. And I'm like, oh, they make you read that? <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, that's thick. I thought it would be like a little pamphlet. <laughs> like, or something a little smaller. So um, I couldn't participate with that because I didn't consider myself an alcoholic. I did go out when they had other people from churches come out to speak to women. Um, I did participate in that. But most of the times I just stayed in my room and, and just read. I read all kind of books and I just wanted to stay away from the trouble because putting all these personalities in a can 
<laughs> it's it's not a good good living. I didn't drink none of the bed, the little toilet brew that they make. I will say I did do a drug in there, and um, I'll never do that again. I just don't know what I was thinking. If as I look back, don't know why I just did it because I figure I can run away from how I was feeling being in there. That feeling, yep, uh, hot and cold, really mainly cold, gave me the chills. They had me in the <laughs> the the clinic ward, and everyone's like, "Oh, how come she got three blankets?" <laughs> they gave me three blankets when I got back. They was like, "Oh, did you take anything?" I was like, "No," but I wind up. Going into two months later to the maternity ward, I didn't understand that the maternity ward is also the school ward. So I just figured they took my uh, request that, oh, yeah, I didn't have education. I did education. I graduated. I did a lot of trades and everything. So um, I'm in there. I did some more reading, the English teacher, and how they treat people. In there is just, you can't say nothing, but when you get the outside people come in and down talk you, it, it kind of like, I remember this teacher saying, oh, well, if you don't want to listen, there's a reason I can see why you don't have your high school diploma. And it was just like, uh, first of all, if you're talking to me, I actually have mine and <laughs> I don't even know why I'm here. But, and I was a quiet one. And one of the ladies like, oh, it's usually the quiet ones. And I'm like, oh, I don't get it. But I got out with the graces of God in three months instead of the whole nine. So I was in that ward for a month. I got out, saw my old friends, tried to go back to my old stumping grounds. I did. I did go back to my old stumping grounds. And I did go back. But then... Something was like wrong with my body. Come to find out, I was pregnant. So I was pregnant while I was in jail. That's why they moved me to the ward. Um, and those, this will be my fourth daughter, and it's with the same gentleman. So after we had a physical education, I wound up having to do DV classes uh, for women. And I met a lot of lovely ladies in there. And that's when I learned about mindfulness. Because they see I do have a built-up anger. The lady, when she did the intake, was like, I think you might need outside help. And I was like, yeah, probably so. In my head, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I probably do. <laughs> so that went good. That was like a pretty good year. You know, I was, I was still, I still was sober. The only thing I did do, I didn't do my other, I didn't do meth or anything anymore. I, I just smoked. I didn't drink. I just smoked weed. Uh, what year is this? So that'll be five years before now. So everything is good in, in my life, supposedly, as I see. One day I'm just working and I'm just tired, exhausted, you know? I just wanted to go to sleep. I came home. My father came and was like, oh, you look tired. I watched the kids for you. Well, the youngest one, I watched her for you. He watched her. I went to sleep. All I remember about that day is the cops coming to the door at 12 a.m., waking everybody up. And there's a gentleman 
and he's from DCFS. So supposedly the time I'm asleep, my daughter had got in the street and a neighbor or someone driving by, I guess almost hit her, I guess. I don't know the whole story still. Um, they brought her to the door. No one answered the door but my brother, who she said had red eyes and smelled like alcohol. And he told her the dad was right there across the street. And when she spoke to him, his eyes was red, smelled like alcohol, and just looked at her like, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Came back to the house and, you know, left her with my brother and he supposedly woke me up. But this is the case that started everything. So... I had a total of uh, five cases that involved me. One really involved me. Every The other ones were with family members or the people I left in the care of my daughter, daughters. Nothing bad. It was just mostly a neglect. <laughs> like, that's really better. So the case was big for them. They came out two days, uh, two days later. Person's like, do you, what do you do? I told her I work. People, those who know the process, I told her I smoke because they're going to check my urine anyway. I don't smoke other drugs. I just smoke weed. Oh, okay. Do you drink? I'm like, no, I don't drink. Does the father drink? I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes, I guess, you know. But going further in the case. So <sighs> um, the case is now fully open because my brother comes to find out he had a restraining order prior for the case prior that he couldn't be at the home and by him being there that was a concern and oh boy that set the spiral for adrian so i i can't anxiety overload i'm very overwhelmed i go back to drinking because now i can't smoke anymore because they're going to test my urine for marijuana i drink in the morning I drink in the afternoon. I drink when I'm getting off of work. I drink at work. I drunk so much. I'm I'm thinking everything's okay. And then this was going on for a while. I start blacking out. I can't remember the times I got home. I couldn't sometimes, I'm gonna be honest, I couldn't hold my urine sometimes, you know, as embarrassing as it is. There was times I really, to this day, I looked back and wondered, how did I get this car home? I don't remember getting here. I don't remember getting to bed and my kids thinking I'm just tired or my oldest is like, yeah, you did this. And, you know, she's, she's, almost, she's about to like 20 now. But she was like, he was doing this and alcohol. You know, they said it's a depressant. But for me, it was it was an enhancer. It made me feel good, you know. It it during this time, it was taken away. Just hearing people come to you every other day, like, "Hey, we're going to take your kids if you don't do this." Hey, we're going to take your kids if you don't do that. Hey, this is life. This is life. Oh, hey, by the way, we're um, COVID's here. Oh, by the way, you can't go to the store. And, and me personally, for those who've been in jail, this is like jail but there's no one out there to tell you 
you know, you can't do this in like jail. You they tell you when to eat. They tell you when to do this. And basically that's what it was doing. So a lot of people that haven't been in jail to me personally, it felt like a mind trip. But I was drinking every day. So much to where, man, it it, it was like every day I would wake up, I need the two shots to start my day. And it always would be two shots. I will remember my work, I'll go to work, I'll need four. I will have my friend that will show up like, hey, can you go to the store down the street and give me like four shots, two of these and two of these. <laughs> have that as soon as I get off of work, after the three hours of having those, I go get six more. And it was the same routine every day, every day. And my mom would be like, oh, you smell like your brother. And it's like, no, I just have one or two. It's just to help me relax, not knowing this is probably like the 14th one. And this is so cute of me. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm um, not drinking as much because I'm taking shots. <laughs> I can control my drinking. Oh, the alcoholic mind. I can control my drinking by just taking these shots. Because I'm because if I have a pint, oh, I'm just going to drink the whole pint. Yes, it's true. I'm going to drink the whole pint. But if I do it in shots, oh, no, it won't be that bad. I can control that. I can control this. So if I have two right now, I have a couple of something hours later, I can have, no. Yeah. Just, it's just crazy. So, um, one day I, I will say it was the stress from them, DCFS. I can't blame them. I'm sorry. It's just the stress of hearing these things every day. And then my mind and the stuff I've been through being in jail baby daddy it's my childhood it's high school I just felt all of it just consume me this one day I will never forget I went I got two shots and this is the less I ever had literally it was just two shots I had the two in the morning I didn't do the afternoon I remember coming out for work getting two shots I'm hanging out with a friend with a friend of the family I got two shots as I'm driving. I'm like, this shot tastes funny. And I remember going down like, it tastes funny. But I still continue to drink. I had, um, when we got here, it was like, oh, you already have some. Okay, I'll take a little bit because, you know. Oh, but mind you, I, I think at that point where it tasted funny, I think I already blacked out. Because that's all I remember that it's tasted funny. I do remember him asking if I could take him home. I do remember halfway taking him home. And I don't remember anything after that. Next thing you know, I'm, 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 I remember leaving his house. And I'm going down the street. Because he didn't stay that far. I remember pulling over. And that's it. So when they wake me up with the lights, I notice my daughter's in the backseat of the car. She doesn't have a seat, uh, her car seat. Um, I smell like alcohol. And I'm in the driveway of the sheriff's station. And um, they ask me questions. And all that's going through my head is this case. This is it. You know, um, they said, well, could we draw your blood? And I'm like, sure, sure. I'm trying to do anything just so that they won't take my daughter, but it's already too late. Um, 
I had court. This is a Friday. I had court Tuesday. I get in the ambulance. So I see them taking my daughter. And uh, I don't know what came over me because, mind you, I just finished sleeping. I don't know an alcoholic who <laughs> who passes out and then passes out again without alcohol. They take me to the hospital. And ambulance talking to me like, had too much to drink, huh? I'm like, no, not really. I'm just tired. I was tired emotionally and mentally exhausted. So um, he's like, okay, I just need you to stay with me now. The next thing I know, I'm out. And it's like, oh, wow, what, two or three in the morning? And I wake up in the hospital on the stretcher. And here's the sheriff guy like, oh, you finally decided to wake up, huh? And they drew my blood. <laughs> um, that Tuesday I went to court. And I was like, okay, because uh, COVID's already here, so you're not walking in court. So everything must have been fine because no one came, no one called. And usually that's good news in the medical world. <laughs> and they said, no, it was like, okay, after that incident, I, I decided that day to get my life together. Like, okay, take care of kids. You know, I it was a good day. I was late for work, but it was a good day. I laid them and, you know, got them clean up. I remember getting them home in the jammies and we're all going to bed. It's nine o'clock. Someone run the doorbell. It was a gentleman and a police officer. And they served me my paper saying that we're going to serve you to remove your children. All I could do, really, was I couldn't cry. I just stood there, and and, and you got to get him some clothes, and I'm just scrambling. I take him the back to get him some clothes. I'm just standing there, like I don't know what to do. I I didn't know what to do, and I can't say crying. They're not. They just confused. They look lost. Um, they put him in the car, and. My mom was like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, I don't understand. It, and it was because of that DUI. And it was removed. So, of course, the only thing I could think about going to, and I was arguing the whole night, the liquor store is still open. You can make it. Just have a few, just to calm you down. But then the other side of my brain is like, look, this is why they're gone. I'm like, okay. So I told my mom, I'm going to the store. She's like, yeah, don't. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go lay down. I couldn't sleep. So the next day, I don't have work. I just sit there and just figure out what's going on, knowing that the house is empty. Um, so that was the ninth. I mean, so that was the seventh. Oh. I do remember February 9th. Or it was a Sunday. Uh, I went 
Sunday from that Tuesday, I did go have a drink. It took me that long to get one. Um, I went and got a drink, and when I mean the feeling, it didn't do its job. It didn't numb anything. It didn't take none of the pain away. It didn't. It didn't work anymore. So of course you have more. It still didn't work. I didn't have no feeling. It didn't make me want to pass out. It didn't make me want to do anything. And that's where that was my last drink. So when they gave me um, my order, which was um, so you can say I got a nudge for the judge. I got to do 90 in 90 days. I have to um, go into a treatment program for drugs and alcohol. I have to seek individual counseling. Guess the judge told me, man, she may not have these problems, but there is something wrong here. They argue back and forth if I need parenting or not. So I had to do parenting. And then months later, I didn't have to do parenting, but we get to that months later. But so I asked a friend, I asked my brother because he had a lot of DUIs. <laughs> he kind of didn't want to answer me. He was like, I don't know. Um, what do you do? And um, a friend, um, I asked him, I'm like, what do you do? He was like, you just go to AA.org. And like, for real, and I just go. And then I'm looking online at work. It was like Monday. I'm looking online. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't understand. But he was on the phone, got me through. He's like, you're going to go to, because that's your area where you stay. And I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at meetings, whatever. But then there was a number for the for central office. I'm like, okay, I'm done for the day. <laughs> Tuesday, uh, I'm looking at it again. And I called the number. And there was one lady who, um, I wish I would have paid attention to her name. She was really nice. She walked me through. I was on hold for a while, but she said, because their lines were busy um, during COVID, I guess there was a lot of people that needed help. But she told me, hold on, don't hang up. I'm like, no, I'm not. Because I was at work, so I didn't hang up. <laughs> she got back and she said, I found, a, I got one close to you. She gave me fellowship. I, she told me exactly what to do. Go online, click on meetings. And she's like, they're doing it through Zoom right now. I was like, okay. I always told myself I wasn't going to do Zoom ever. <laughs> but um, I was like, okay. And she said, okay. She walked every, every step through me. She said, you're going to need, um, if you are ordered by the court or if you're doing this for yourself, it doesn't matter. If you're ordered for the court, you just ask for your verification. If you're not, just sit and listen. I'm like, okay. So that was a Tuesday. I go home. I'm looking out my window. And I said, it's not in the room. So I looked out my window and it's, I just, I couldn't take it no more. And I just said, I told my, I told God, like, can you take this pain from me? This feeling that I don't want to do this anymore. A lot of people believe skeptical, like, oh, you really felt that? I did feel my shoulders. I felt the weight lifted. You know, that's the day I surrendered. And I it was it was real. So Wednesday, um, I hopped on a meeting at work, but then I, I jumped off. But Thursday morning, 
I clicked on that 6 a.m. meeting. They actually are, if there's any newcomers, I kept quiet because I didn't understand how this works. Did it for like mm, a couple of days. On the 18th, sorry, the 17th, I, uh, I especially said agent was an alcoholic. I eventually said agent alcoholic uh, because I was like, oh, what's that I was supposed to say? But on the 17th, that is the official day that I claimed that date as my sobriety date because that's the day I was really willing to do the program and just do this. So I participated through Zoom on at 6 a.m. After my 6 a.m. meeting, I went to a 7 a.m. <laughs> After my 7 a.m. meeting, I had I had other programs. I had a treatment program that I was doing outpatient, and I was doing that through Zoom three days a week. So I would participate with that from 10 to 10.30 to 10.30, sorry, 9.30 to 10.30. Then again at 11.30 to 12.30. I mean, 11 to 12. Then I will um, go to work. Be at work from 12 to 5, get on the 7 p.m. meeting. And that was my program every day. Every day, the same routine, same routine. I do remember my first meeting and 7 p.m. I was trying different meetings. I tried 8.30. I tried, what, uh, there was, um, I think they call it under the bridge meeting. I tried the attitude adjustment. I tried um, early birdies. There's so many meetings out there. But there's there was another meeting. There were the gentleman. He was like, hey, Adrian, after the meeting, he just, hey, Adrian. I was like, yeah. He was like, see you tomorrow. Seven o'clock, right? I'm like, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. He's all right. Keep coming back. And that right there had me come back because I'm like, this one is, these people are really nice. You know? When I used to share, it was more about how I was feeling at that moment. I was kind of, I didn't understand the terminology of AA. Uh, they always say, keep coming back. They always say, um, what is it? Progress before perfection. And I was just like, what is this? It's a whole new language. I didn't understand the big book. I'm like, what big book are they talking about? <laughs> um, sponsor, okay, get a sponsor. What's what's the sponsor? And me, I came in there with an open mind and I already had the willingness and already surrendered, but I had to put in more of an effort. So there is like some meetings will have a meeting before the meeting and, and a meeting after the meeting. I would sit through the meeting after the meeting and ask questions like, what do you mean by this is this? And they didn't say, oh, you should know this. It was nice because the people in these rooms, they was like, oh, well, they took the time to explain it to me, you know? But, you know, it was like you really should get a big book so you can read it. Because my pops always say you can't just go by what people say. You have to read it on your own because people could tell you anything. You got to go look it up for yourself. It was it was just amazing through this world of Zoom. And a lot of people was like, how could you get sober through Zoom? For me, it was easy. Only because when I was an isolator and I was nervous around crowds anyway, so it was easier for me to click on that that link 
every single time and automatically get onto a meeting. I met so many people through AA that <laughs> it's it's just amazing. It was so funny, like the first, so I was I got sober in February. So there was on step two. And I'm like, why do they keep talking about the same topic for this whole month? Like for everything, not the same topic, everything revolve around that same topic. But it was actually the steps. And I didn't know that until later on. So when it came March, I had my belly button birthday. I was 30 days. I remember going. Now, I hear they had a beach meeting that was open because it was open. It was in the open. And I'm like, oh, I like the beach. And I hear them talk about this a lot. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Um, when they opened that meeting back up, I was like, okay, I would like to do this. So one day, one of the gentlemen's in the room and I asked them, um, where is this at? And they told me, and I'm like, oh, okay, I know where that's at. Not really. <laughs> I I took that... I got past my fear and um, I went. I got lost. I was on the other side of the beach. It was so funny. And these people have so much patience. I say these people because it's a whole other world for me. They have so much patience. It was <laughs> in the middle of the meeting. They had to pinpoint. So it can <laughs> help me. It's, and it was hilarious because I was like, oh, my gosh, I was on the other side the whole time. I don't know how I missed this huge crowd right here. But it wasn't like a crowd. It was actually a nice AA meeting. It, it was, man, it was like a hundred some people out there and anxiety kicked in like, oh, I'm going to stand right here. But when they saw me, they was like, oh, here she is. <laughs> we don't usually do this for the meeting, but here's your, you know, your chip, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, she has 30 days. I'm like, yay, welcome me. It was just so happy. They happy when you have two days, you know? And I probably said the part, but when you go in there every day and they're just like, how many days if, if you're under 30 and they congratulate you because you made to 14. And then when you hear 15, 16, the consistency of you continue to come, the feeling for me was just like, it was hope. It was hope. Like you could do this. It gave you hope. You could do this. You could do this. And spiritually, I found my higher power again. Now I found him, he was always there. Because that's like during my 30 days, that's when it start, the spirituality start kicking in. Um, one of the gentlemen's in the room, he he gave me my big book because he goes to the beach meeting. And he's usually the grumpy one. <laughs> but he was actually nice and, and gave me a big book. And he said he had an extra one. And so I got my first big book. He um was talking to me about chapter five, how it works. And I noticed they read that a lot. He was like, when you get home, read it. I read it and kind of find out I was also doing it on audio. Oh, these people are amazing. I'm seriously, because uh, when I didn't have my big book, they told me, hey, just download. They have an audio version that you can listen to. Oh, they also have the PDF. You don't have to go buy the big book. Just download it. It's like, oh, so I was reading this book and as I'm reading it, I didn't understand some of the stuff that I was reading until I got my sponsor. But before I got my sponsor, so I'm like 30 days. I got my big book. We're going to go into two months later before and I start feeling it. The feels, man, of man of sobriety. 
like I didn't want to drink because, you know, I have so much going on and all I could think about my kids is not here. So my kids still are not home. I'm jumping through hurdles. I'm in my program, but not to the point where I am, where I got the sponsor and everything. So I'm doing it kind of like on my own, my own thinking and, and studying it in a way that I can understand it. But it, it doesn't work. <laughs> it worked, but there was a lot that I just didn't get. There were some things I really got, like step one through three, those I, I got down. And everybody kept talking about this fourth step. So, of course, this is the month that I'm hearing a lot about the fourth step, fourth step. And I'm like, okay, why is everyone scared of this fourth step? Because I'm being nervous being in these rooms, hearing everyone. They wasn't complaining. It's more like, they're going through it. And, you know, that's me on the outside looking in. Why everyone's doing the fourth step. <laughs> I'm hearing like you little bit fourth step. You should get a sponsor. They've been telling me to get a sponsor for the longest, but I'm like, I'm not too sure. So I'm meeting so many people at this beach meeting in person. And so many people that's introduced me to other people. And um, I met my sponsor on my second time going to the beach. But I didn't ask her yet. That, and I didn't know she was going to be my sponsor. Because she was the same in person and on Zoom. And I was like, oh, okay. That's her. That's the lady who um, who's walked me around. And she put her number in the chat. A lot of people put their number in the chat. But she, after hearing me share, or um, after she was share, and she does it for a lot of newcomers, she puts her number in there. I got her number. And I, everybody who put the number in there that I write it down and I put their name. I have a whole bunch of post-its and I have notes. I've been taking notes. And for my first, I'll say six months, I got, so we're like four months. So, four months. so I eventually got to the point now where I have a few people that's in my meetings that I talk to on a daily basis in the meeting. Because reaching out was kind of hard for me because I'm like more of a loner. So I figured I could do it on my own. But it's a we program, not an I program. You're going to need that extra person to give you a boost and um, walk you through like my higher power. So it wasn't just him with me. I finally just got the guts to just go ahead and say, I told him I need a sponsor. So I uh, talked to one of my friends in the room and it was like, I do have uh, two people in mind. And he was like, well, which one are you going to go with? Now he was like, no, you don't have to tell me. I was like, yeah, because I felt nervous to tell you, but tell him. But um, I eventually told him who. And he was like, you know what? Call her right now. No, no, call her right now. So I called her. I sent her a text actually saying, hey, um, um, I basically was wondering if you could, um, <laughs> I was wondering if you were sponsoring. Yeah. Would you be my sponsor? And she was like, how about this? Meet me at the beach meeting. We'll go out for coffee and we'll talk then. And in my head, I'm like, I don't drink coffee. And I was like, seriously, it's been beating in my head. I was like, sure. I still say, yeah. But then I'm like, hey, I don't drink coffee. So it'd be weird just sitting there. And then I was like, oh, yeah, all the coffee places have tea. I like tea. Okay, cool. So, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. We wound up meeting and 
I did get my tea. I got my mint tea and uh, we talked, told her about myself, about my story, but um, what got me here. She um, listened and she told me about her a little bit about what she's all about and what did I see in her? And I told her what I seen her. I see, you know, um, strength, you know, I like my mom, you know, my mom is strong. She's been through a lot. She still kept holding on. So um, she said, this is it. You call me for 30 days every day. And yeah, and I did that. And she, that was her, she said, yes. So been walking the steps with her one through three, when we got to that fourth step, I actually see what everyone's talking about. But as long as you're honest, you're you're going to be okay. And I was honest in my fourth step. You know, I really didn't have resentments. All my stuff was fear. Because my resentment list was not, whew, that was short. My fear list, though, everything, it was all in my head. That's that's all, everything. I, I... <laughs> I just realized that I'm, I'm, I was selfish. I was inconsiderate. I'm thinking protecting somebody, but that was my own intention. That was me being selfish. I was inconsiderate of other people's feelings. I was dishonest with myself. I was dishonest with others. Um, I was fearful. I was, I was scared. I'm not as strong as I thought I was. You know, it humbled me doing the fourth step. It made me realize it deflated the ego that I thought I didn't have, which technically was there the whole time. So doing the steps, it really helped me, especially doing her the way she did it. It was, she had me go to other meetings. So I wasn't just going to the same ones. I, I seen from different parts. I, I, in this program, I learned a lot of things, not only about myself, it, it, it takes a tribe. I have my tribe. I do my meetings. I have my outpatient program. I have individual counseling but my counselor is actually in these rooms. So I'm getting AA all around me and I have my higher power at the top of that. A lot of people say they find God in this room and it's a spiritual program. For me, it it, it brought me back to my higher power. Because um, one gentleman in this room, he told me about the footprint pro, um, poem. With the footprints, the one set of footprints. And when he said that, it just really like, oh, man, that was it for me. You know, I just kept coming back regardless. I didn't have a drink no matter what because it wasn't worth it. So now, six after nine months in the program, I start getting visitations with sleepovers with my kids where they could come over for the weekends. And in November, that was like in October. So after, for that one month, November the judge ordered them that they could come back home. My kids were home in November of 2021 and they're still home now. And now I do my program and in my kids, it got a little bit harder, but they get to see that, wow, my mom is, it's my mom, but she's doing, she's different. Yes. I have to consistently be there consistently. Consistency is it for me, consistency, willingness, open-mindedness. And I take the suggestions that are given to me in these rooms. I have mothers that have kids that's walking me through how to get through things. I have my sponsor who's here and help me get through these things with my kids, through work, through life, you know, because life keeps showing up in my door 
trying to sell me things. He puts his foot in the door like, I'm like, okay, I don't want that. He puts his foot in the door like, okay, you don't want that? How about this? Bam, I have this for you. As long as I continue to do these steps, I'm on step eight because I'm thoroughly, I'm cleaning up house. Like I'm kicking everything out. Seriously, I I'm, I can't tear down the house, but <laughs> I, I am. I, I got my foundation and the stuff and the struggles that I've been through is like the book that I'm going through with her now. It, it's talk about the the rumble, you're taking those stones and you're making, yeah, it was a concrete wall, but now they're stones or pebbles. I'm making a new, I got a new home that I'm building and it has AA a part of it. So for those newcomers out there, like you can just, you can do this. Just for me, it was just being welcome. Just someone genuinely being nice to me. It wasn't my overthinking. If you do overthinking, just tell them, hey, I got this thought in my head. It made me do this. Call, reach out. It's no words that I can explain that how this program really did help mold and help me bring out the genuine me. But it's the spirituality in the program. It's the love in the program. It's doing the steps. A lot of people... Just be honest. That's for me, to be honest. The main thing is just to be honest. Hey, yeah, I did this. I I, I, I accepted that. I, I did that. I'm not going to self-pity and go back. Like the stuff I did in my past, I can't regret it. It's already done. You know? Like we say in the serenity prayer, just give me the wisdom to, to, get, to change the things I can't. Let me learn from this, basically. And I'm at a place of acceptance. And I accept what I did. It takes a lot to get there, but I do. It's I can't go back and change it. And if I change it, it's not going to be this. It's going to be something else. But that poem, um, I blamed. I wasn't blaming God, but I just I was complaining. But the whole time, I'm just like how you carry your kids away when throwing a tantrum. You pick them up. It's like okay, yeah, you're kicking and screaming, but here you go, lay down. <laughs> that was me. He was carrying me the whole time. And I and I got this in this program. I have I'm I'm constantly working the steps every day. I talk to my sponsor. I meet her up on the weekends in the live meetings. I still do my Zoom meetings. I did my Zoom meetings and I met a lot of lovely ladies. I met a, a tremendous gentleman. I just this is my tribe. They say stay in the middle of the pack. I didn't understand that. Now I'm just running with them, you know, in this race of life. AA's got your back. That's what someone told me too. And it's a lot of things I could say that, that they say in the rooms, but I'm just glad I, I, I'm actually holding on and I took the suggestions that they gave me. And and I'm I'm at a good place today. I'm I'm happy. I don't say life doesn't show up and I don't get mad or but I know what to do. I know what tools, what steps to take before I react or before I say something. So that is my truth. <laughs> uh, that is my story. And um, I'm very happy to be here and, and I'm very happy to and grateful to be just a part of this program. And it works if you work it. And I'm an example of working it and you can do it too. So thank you. Thank you, Adrian. I feel like we can end right there, but I do have a few questions. I loved your story. I 
I can't believe sometimes when I listen to these stories how how long they are because it feels like I've only been listening for a few minutes and I've just you've taken me on this journey and you're endearing with your mint tea story. You're so cute. I'm like, what? I can't have coffee. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Wait a minute. They have tea at those places. Right. Oh my God, you're so cute. So a few questions. Do you have some more time? Yeah. Okay. I really liked the end. And you said it in the midst of other things. You kind of hid it in there. But you said, this program has brought out the genuine you. Yeah. Um, If I could tell the newcomer that, get them to explain it and show them. Yeah, um... I didn't think too highly of myself as I was growing up, you know? Like I said in the beginning, I always thought there was something wrong with me, you know? I was different from everybody else. And that's when I got to school. But if you think how you was with a kid where nothing bothered you, it was carefree. I was like that (laughs) in high school. Nothing bothered me. So I did things and people were like, oh, you're weird. People, like, that hurts. So um, I'll be nice and... People shut me down or you be nice and people use you, use your niceness and, and take that for weakness. So I became a vigilante in a way where I thought I'm doing good, but I'm, I'm not. Um, where I say genuine because I'm I'm a carefree spirit. I always told my mom, I was like, yeah, I want to grow up in the 70s. She's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they, they're, they, they're carefree. Nothing bothered them. And they was truthful at the same time. Let's make love, not war. I was into like, yeah, why can't we all really just get along? I have no problem with anybody. I love everybody. But that was my problem. Oh, let's get her. She loves everybody. Let's <laughs> let's break her spirit. <laughs> they did that. But it's got put back together with a different kind of glue. It is my higher power. I have AA. And I have other programs that I do on the outside that together it makes this extreme bond. So those broken pieces are together and they're there, they're new. It's like a whole new, it's a whole new me. It's not even the me I want it to be. It's a whole new, it's like Adrian 3.0, you know. <laughs> I wanted that, but I got this. And you know what? I'll take this. This is way better. I don't smile. I didn't like my smile, but I I smile a lot because there's so much to be happy and grateful for. So that's what I said to genuine me. It's because I'm a happy child. I always thought myself as a care bear. They're happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like it. I bet your girls like it too. Yeah. They'd be like, mom, why are you in this meeting? And I'm like, yeah, I know you guys want me to do this, but yeah, they like it because it's like I'm being consistent. So it's, at first, it was just like, oh, sure, here. Yeah, yeah, sure, go. You know, I wasn't present. Yeah. But now that I'm present and showing up every morning for my kids, it's it's good. I have to continue to still be consistent in that. Because now they're like, oh, mom's paying attention. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> but they like that because they want attention. And they don't always have to be like, oh, here's a fruit snack. No, they want the attention like, hey, I, I, I love you. You know, here's a hug. Have a great day at school. How was your day at school? How's everything going? How was your day today? I'm trying to be more 
I'm show, I'm, I suited up and I'm showing up. I, I'm trying to show up, continue to show up in their life, be present. And at the same time, being president in my life and, you know, and in this program. So well, your love for them came through strong and clear. Even when you're in the midst of your illness, your love from them was super, super deep. Yeah. And it's. They're it lucky just, to have you. Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm very lucky to have them to. And it, it, it kind of hurts that it had to come to this point. I told my mom, I said, I, I wish it didn't have to come to this. But at the same time, I, I'm glad, but I'm, I'm happy. I just wish I didn't have to take them down with me. But I just hope that this can show them you can, no matter what people say. Because once they know my story, hey, my mom did it. She is strong. She got through this hard time even with this. And I'm just going to continue to help them be strong too. Strong individuals. Like they don't have to go down my road to realize who they are. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like showing them, you know, we can tell them a thousand times, but them watching us do it is the best lesson. Right. That we right. can give them. You were talking about how you knew you were different. When you were a kid, you, you said, I knew I was different, different how, I couldn't tell you. Could you, could you today mm-hmm. answer that question? How were you different when you were a kid? I was different because the way I, my thinking, like, uh, I, oh, I believe I was always an overthinker. You can tell me ABC. I'm like, yeah, okay. But there's also... Uh, D E F G H I K all the way to Z. Like, yeah, you got that from there, but you know, there's other ways you could do that. My imagination was a whole, a whole nother level. I saw the world different. I see society different. I see people different. And my brain is always constantly going. And I, that's why I just thought I, because <laughs> people just assume like my, I was weird. It was like, no, I'm not weird. I just, you didn't think about that? <laughs> I, I Oh, I know. It's like you didn't, like, I came up with different kind of ways, like to the point where people thought I was doing other things. It's like, no, um, I read up about it or it's just common sense. If you really think type thing. And I will sit there and I really think. And I thought a lot. Because I was, I grew up with two brothers. I was the only girl. So it's not like I could say, hey, play dolls. So I had to, I, you could say I was in the lane of <laughs> between football and Barbie dolls. I was right in the middle. Like, hey, Barbie, you're going to play football type. You know, I was almost that. Okay, I know you've seen Little Giants. I felt like Icebox, how she wanted to play football, but because she's a girl, she couldn't play football, but she's good at it. I was different like that. Like, I'm only, I'm a kid, but I can do so many things. Or I'm, my brain, and it takes me to another world. I Just like aliens, how they're always ahead of uh, technology. My brain was always ahead of everything else. And my parents, I knew about different cultures too. So as a little kid, I kind of, I kind of seen the world in a way. I didn't go out the world, but I seen and learned a lot of different things and for me to be so young I felt so old compared to my my friends 
So that's why I was different. Like, I felt like a old person. <laughs> well, you explained it really well. I'm, I'm taking notes, right? Overthinking, imagination, saw the world different, brain doesn't stop. Your brain takes you to other places, felt so old when you were so young. And all of these things I'm checking off. Yep, 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 yep. And I'm watching my 10-year-old go through this this same struggle. And then so my whole thing is how do you help an alcoholic before they have their first drink? Right? How do you how do yeah. you help the child that is obviously and has this ism but has never picked up? But like how, and I don't, and this is my whole side story, but uh, we'll set that aside. So I'm, I'm taking notes because it's, it's significant. And I think it is based in our thinking and our feeling. And why does the program solve that? I can give him God today. He has, but why perhaps that journey, we have to go through the journey to get to where we are. It's, it's Mm -hmm. our journey and your girls, though they were taken from you and given back and, you can't beat yourself up because that's their journey. It's supposed to be that way. Right. We can only do what we can do today. I have a very controversial question um, to ask yes. you. Maybe not controversial, but, you know, my therapist is African-American, and she gives me insight into l- growing up in a very different world than I grew up um, right. from the cultural perspective. And, you know, there's one story, I think, in the big book from an African-American. There's more than one story, but there's one specific that talks about how these rooms are full of white people, and but they still embrace you. And you live in a, and you go to white meetings, right? I mean, these are like primarily white meetings. How, right. how do you, because, you know, you already feel different from and all of that. How do you manage that feeling a part of, but, 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 but being so different culturally? Um. That is funny because um, my mom, she's mixed with uh, white. So that's the other reason why I also felt different. Oh, my gosh, she speaks so proper. It's like, uh, I thought we all speak English. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so funny because you're going to maybe go to a story like, I also did the, con- if you want to go controversy, I did white people drugs. <laughs> right. But my friends like, like I didn't tell them that. That's why it was easy for me to keep a secret. Like, no, nah, they don't know what this is. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I tell them this, everything's gonna be cracked. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> but um, I mean, these are it, just cultural yeah, generalizations, it, right? So, right. That's this is so funny because um, I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know about. It, but um, no, as far as the meetings, yeah, I I did kind of feel outside. And I'm looking like, yeah, but it is true that, <laughs> that people are like, oh, white folks are just alcoholics. You know, I don't really see the new black, but you know what? I was in there like, no, there gotta be. But you know what? In the beginning, that's all I saw, right? Yeah. But the more and more I go, I have, you got Filipinos, you have Asians. I was happy. I was like, yes, okay, all right, everybody's here now. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I finally saw one. But no, you got Hispanics, you got Blacks. I I, I see a, a few Blacks in there because a lot of people are like, why don't you go to the Black meetings? It's like... Are there Black that meetings? That is a good question. Yeah, they have all Black um, meetings where it's mostly Black people a few them, but uh, I did do um, Black women's meeting. It was, it was mostly a lot of Black women from different... You had, they was from all around. It wasn't just California and Zoom. 
And it's a, it was nice because they was in the big book. And being to that meeting, to be honest, that's the meeting I did. Um, my sponsor said, do other meetings. She gave me that link. And these women did break down the big book. And it was like they put the definition from the dictionary in the chat. They give you keywords to pay attention to. They help you mark. They they the ones in that meeting in a way help me understand a little bit more about the big books. So the how they study is the way that I study. Like because yeah. my pastor always said, look it up. You don't know a word, look it up. And they'll they'll and that's that's what I'm saying. Everything I was taught, that's why I know my higher power is in the making of doing this for me, helping me get through this. Cause he's giving me the stuff that I already know and he's just giving to me again. Like, hey, your pops taught you this and look, they're doing it. So it should be easier for you to to take heed now. It should stick now. You understand where to go from here. And those women, I tell them, I said, You're strong. And one lady was like, How are you gonna tell me I'm strong? If I was strong, I wouldn't be here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is true. Which is true. See, they see it from a different um perspective. You could say everyone has the same goal, but it's how they go about telling it and how they go about uh, reaching out for that other person to get it. Here, they'll tell you like it is. Both of them tell you like it is, to be honest. But more, and this one has more of a backstory that I can relate to as far as like when I was coming in Zoom, um, some of the meetings where they talk about the, the drugs. That's why one meeting kind of like, oh, okay, he said something that made me nervous. Like, no, that's not what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking for alcohol. <laughs> but I stayed because of that. Um, because I can relate to some of the things that they did. Not saying I can't go to a black meeting and and I can't relate to what they do, but the stereotypeness I just didn't want to go through. And I you could say it it's <sighs> I could go as one up the street. <laughs> no, I'm not implying you should, Adrian. I'm, I'm not implying you should. I'm just saying, I think it's, it's evidence it's, that we can find our tribe anywhere. Right. We don't, yeah. alcoholism doesn't discriminate. And we, no. what is that joke? It's the only place you can find a, a lawyer, a banker, a cop, and the robber all together <laughs> or something like that. I'm totally hey, ruining it. And it's, True. There's so many backgrounds of people. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? That's what you do? Like, like when you look at me, you wouldn't think like, oh, you work with people all day. Like, yeah, I deal with all kinds of personalities. But you just said you didn't like people. I know that. I don't. <laughs> that, that's why I work where I work. It's good. <laughs> it's good for my sobriety. <laughs> I'm constantly at work in my program every day for five hours nonstop. <laughs> So, yeah. So thank you for answering that. And I love that you feel comfortable wherever you're at in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, Right. We'll we'll finish up now. So final question. For the alcoholic out there still suffering, what message would you like to leave them with? Have an open mind. If don't overthink it, just do it. Like Nike said, just do it. Just take that step. The next thing you know, you're taking another step. The next thing you know, you're taking another step. Next thing you know, you're walking. And that's how the program was for me. I just took that step, took that, took that leap. 
I just jumped and dived. Me, as I jumped in, just like, <laughs> I'm all in. Okay, here we go. Oh, it was cold in the beginning, you know? But for the ones that, that's hesitant, just take that step and share. Share on the first time. Even if you don't feel comfortable, it's nervous, but that's good. Because you're not going to get the reaction that you think you're going to get. You're going to get the reaction that you're going to need to help you to keep coming back. And that's what it was for me. And I, and in this program, they, it's no judgment. They don't judge you by what you say or what you do. It's just, just go, just come, just come and, and, and just see for yourself. For more information, read the first 164 pages of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous or visit keepcomingback.net.